Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, Big talk um, over the first three weeks of the college football season has been USC. So let's head out. Now to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join the man on the USC beat, Fredo Cervantes. Fredo, how are you? I'm doing good. It's a good morning today. How are you doing today, Arash? Doing well, my friend. Again, you know, first three weeks of the of the football season for USC kind of went as expected. Certainly the first two games against non-conference opponents, although Stanford, uh, really not a, uh, a good season for them. But, you know, three blowouts, three games where they score above uh, 50 points. I think perhaps, you know, the... The big thing, I think the big concern for USC fans coming into this season was the defense. Uh, Fredo, you've written about this at the Sporting Tribune. What have you seen from the defense that they've seemed to have improved each and every week? Yeah, you know, it's been very good because when we look at week one, when they got a chance to face San Jose State, a lot of people are like, okay, well, this is going to be a pretty much a big blowout. It wasn't much. It was a 56-28 game. They allowed 28 points. Um, of course, the talk has been about the defense since last season, you know, talking about the defense last season letting games get away. But then the second game of the season, uh, facing against Nevada, they allowed 14 points. Yeah. And you see that thing kind of crunching down. Then this last game, they allowed 10 points, which kind of the last uh, seven points came in the fourth quarter, and they only allowed three points through almost three quarters. So that was very impressive. Three of the most important guys on that defensive part of the team has been Solomon Bird. Um, you got to give some credit as well um, to the other guys. Uh, Kalen Bullock. Uh, Kalen has been, you know, Kalen reminds me a lot of Derwin James out there. Watching the way he plays out there, uh, following the ball, chasing the ball. He's always in the right positions. And as well as Jamil Muhammad. Jamil Muhammad and Bear Alexander have been the, uh, some of the most consistent defensive players that have allowed the defense uh, play the way they have been um, over the first uh, three games of the season. What do you kind of look for this team to improve on? Again, big bye week this week. Again, you know, when you have a week zero game, week one game, week two game, um, probably the bye comes at, at a good time. Now they're going to really hit uh, what, what, what people are calling the meat of their schedule in terms of, you know, they're probably not going to be favored again by 28 plus points. Um, your thoughts on, you know, what this team has to improve on this week? Yeah, I mean, that question, you know, our other fellow uh, Sporting Tribune guide, uh, Josh Fisher, he actually asked, um, he asked Lincoln Riley after the game, is like, all right, you you know, we've seen what you guys have done over the last three games. Like, what else can you guys improve on? Do you feel like the offense can get better? Do you feel like the defense can get better? And the funniest reaction was from Caleb Williams. Caleb kind of gave a little smirk and said, like, well, there's nothing much we can do on offense. Offense is clicking the right thing. And the defense 
part of the game. Yeah, the rushing, um, they're, they're allowing a lot of rushing yards. They allowed over 200 rushing yards in this past game against a team um, that pretty much has um, mobile running backs. Anytime there's a mobile running back out there, uh, USC seems to have trouble. The linebackers out there, um, of course, Tackett Curtis uh, being out there and Jalen Smith. Um, and I think one key player, which in Monty Jackson, Damani Jackson, if Damani would have stopped those three crucial plays over the last three games where were plays allowed over 70 plus yards, uh, the defense would have been looking a little different. Yes, sometimes plays don't go the way you expect it to be. Uh, sometimes the offensive player makes the catch and sometimes the defensive player makes a stop. Um, there's certain things that the team can still improve on, little things like that on the rushing side of the ball and the defense. But overall, this team right now is looking like a top three team. Um, they're still, you know, they got pushed up to the ranking at number five this week after defeating uh, the big team in Stanford. But you you can really see that the rush defense is the only kind of minor thing that really needs to improve. And the offensive line is doing a good job, even though the offensive line can still do a little more on that side of the ball. But overall, the defensive rushing side, I think that's the most important part moving forward. What have the uh, crowds been like and the um, atmosphere again? What I've cautioned people is, you know, the first three games of the season, it's, uh, you know, it's still the end of the summer. It's still warm. These aren't marquee opponents. Although Stanford, you know, the last time that they're going to be playing them within the Pac-12, I mean, hopefully they, they, they continue to find a way to play um, occasionally. But um, what have the crowds been like at the Coliseum? Man, it's been uh, tremendously good. I mean, from game one to game three, it's been improving. I know after game two, um, after the Nevada win, Lincoln Riley really talked and said, hey, look, I need all USC fans. I need everyone to get out to the stands, support this team. And it showed out on this past Saturday night at 7.30. Even though it was a late game, it was a primetime game on Fox. Um, people showed out. The tenants, um, I didn't get a chance to catch the attendance, but I'm sure it was way over 75, 70,000 or so. The, the crowd was roaring so loud that it there was that play where i think it was brendan rice hit the 70 got the 75 yard catch and the crowd went wild and i it seemed to be like a playoff game a really great atmosphere out there and usc you know this is you know you you know a lot about this arash usc always when they're good the fans come out and play and the yeah. the stadium is so electric out there and you know when they're making big plays the crowd is with the team and right now um, the crowd has been, um, I mean, there's nothing you can complain about the crowd. They've been showing up and hopefully they do show out for the last game against you at UCLA. That UCLA game, oh, UCLA yeah. game is going to be one big matchup for this team. So they have the, this week off before they go on the road to play uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils in Tempe. Uh, you know, that'll be a, a big game. However, I think the game that, Everyone is circling on their calendar now. Uh, they probably did it before the season, not knowing how good Colorado would be. But Fredo, big game. Uh, again, don't want to look ahead, but I think that is sort of like the game that, that everyone's talking about right now. September 30th, USC, Colorado. Again, USC's moved up to number five. We'll see um, you know, how they'll, they'll continue to go up the uh, charts there. But day 18, Colorado, they're probably going to continue to move up how excited are you for that one? Again, we got a bye week this week. We got the Sun Devils the week um, following that. But the entire country has been fascinated by Coach Prime in Colorado. And um, 
how excited are you personally for that game? Oh, I'm 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 excited because I know that's going to be the first kind of matchup that you know maybe USC's defense might get tested, and that's also going to be a test for the Colorado defense because both yeah. offenses right now are clicking um in the right direction, especially Kayla Williams and and USC right now they're averaging almost uh fifty six points per game right now, and you know right now the offense as well for USC they're averaging nine yards per play, and wow. which is the best in the, in, in the country right now. So this offense right now is clicking on all cylinders, and when you look at what Colorado is going to do knowing that they're going to be coming into uh, to their home stadium and it, it's going to be a battle but the excitement is there I'm, I'm just looking forward to see what the time slot is going to be like because that time slot uh, is still to be determined um, of course the next the next one for Arizona State is also a 730 kickoff on Fox but this game is really going to be exciting because this is the moment where you're really going to be able to kind of evaluate this USC team once they kind of face a, a type of team with so much hype right now. I mean, Colorado's so hyped up right now that it seems like they might be making it pretty far, far along, along the way throughout the season. But I think they're going to be, you know, put back into reality when they face Oregon this week because Colorado got Oregon before they face USC. So we're really going to get a good chance to see what uh, Colorado is going to be all about. But the excitement of this game is going to get I'll see you there for a second, Fredo. Let me also go around kind of the horn and kind of talk about some of the, the, the other teams that you know very well. Uh, the Sparks close out their season. They have, um, you know, the, the exit of the um, exits of interviews were yesterday and today. I, I think the good thing about this uh, team is that we saw a silver lining. It, it wasn't the season that they would have liked. However, they had some bright spots. They did beat the Las Vegas Golden Knights. You know, clearly they're the best win of the season. Um, your thoughts on this this season and kind of what what are the building blocks for this team to get back into the postseason next year? Yeah, I mean, overall, this season uh, did not go the way they, the L.A. Sparks expected it to be. There was just too many injuries, too many illnesses, and, of course, the this close injury for Lexi Brown, which was the major one all season long. I mean, the L.A. Sparks had a very good start. I believe they were like... Six and three to start off the season. Six and four. They were looking pretty good. Everyone was healthy. Then the all of a sudden disappearance uh, from Lexi Brown. You know, even till today, they haven't really talked about exactly what went wrong with her. You know, she did return for two games in the middle of her injury. Then you know she was out for the rest of the season. But Lexi Brown was a key player um, for the success for the LA Sparks because with her in the lineup, it makes things so much easier. Um, everyone talks about how she can just shoot off the dribble, um, make those clutch threes, make, make clutch plays. And, you know, it was hard to find a player besides Neko Gumike, who's been there for 13 years, um, someone else that's willing to take that shot, someone that's not afraid of the moment. Um, not saying that Jordan Canada is not that type of player, even though she is, but she she's not as the shooter that Lexi Brown is. And when you look all around this team, you had an, uh, new players like De'Arica Hamby coming from Las Vegas. You had um, Azra Stevens coming from Chicago. You had Laisha Clarendon, who did not play at all last season, who was not picked up. You have a rookie in Zaya Cook, who really didn't get much of a break because she got drafted in mid-April, then had a week before she started a training camp for the Sparks. So a lot of these players well, were kind of 
It was a new team, new environment, new GM, new coach. Everything was new for this team. So it, we knew that coming into the season, it was going to be a hard possible thing in order for this team to have some very good success. We saw them go through an eight-game lose streak. Then we saw them go through a six-game winning streak late in the season to try to get back into the playoff picture. And they were in, they were holding on to that eighth spot in, in, in the conference, but then they let it get away, losing three games in a row, uh, th three in LA, which was just a, a bad, bad uh, referee calls uh, throughout those three games because they, uh, the refs kind of managed those games, I believe, in my personal opinion. Um, but Coach Kirk Miller also <laughs> talked about that in um, post game conferences, which is like, hey, you know, I can't blame the coach, the refs, but they had something to do about it. <laughs> The season overall, the biggest question right now, which I'm looking forward to speaking to Neko Gumik in her ex interview today, which is she is a free agent right now. So as soon as she finishes exit interview, um, she's technically a free agent. So uh, wow. the speculation out there, it seems like uh, Seattle uh, is looking into possibly uh, going after Neko Gumik, but I think Neko, Neko needs to understand that you know she is one of those players that belongs with that team um throughout her whole career and i know she also talked about that early in the season she's like i want to stay in los angeles as much as i can but of course she can't control that that's out of her control she can just do what she can on the court to make the uh, an easier decision for the front office that would be amazing uh again i mean to your point neka agumiki is one of those players that you hope retires with the sparks it didn't work out for candace parker although i was very happy that she got to go back home to chicago and win uh i think her yes. loss in las vegas uh doesn't get enough credit i think when candace parker first went down i think the feeling was las vegas could win without her uh but i i don't know if that's the case now but neka agumike would be amazing for to see her retire with her sister shanae in los angeles um let's uh talk about the other team uh that that you know very well the uh chargers i mean it, it was um it was so frustrating. Again, I think there was a lot of Charger fans coming into this season wanting to see how the defense is going to respond, how they're going to do in the clutch, how they're going to do at the end of games, closing out the fourth quarter if they have the lead. Um, they really failed in all fronts here. And again, I know it's just game one. I know it's the first week of the season. But um, your thoughts on a very disappointing loss for the Chargers in the first game of the season to the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, it was uh, a very disappointing loss seeing that they uh, there were seven lead changes in this game and a lot of people are talking about like this was maybe the best game that um, all weekend long because it had so much excitement back forth, you know, especially seeing the Tua Tunga Bailoa back uh, after his concussions uh, that he's dealt with last season and seeing Justin Herbert step into this offense that now Keller Moore is in control of it. The talk was like, okay, well, now Justin Herbert got a contract. He got the money. Now he got a good offensive coach that's going to let him sling the ball up and down the field, which we didn't really see much of that. We, we did get a chance to see Austin Eckler continue his excellence in running the ball. And as well, Joshua Kelly stepped in in a big row, um, helping out Austin Eckler as well, which, you know, there is some news right now this week uh, on Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is not participating in, in practice uh 
this week right now. They're looking to see if he's going to return to practice on Wednesday and Thursday because he's he's dealing with a little um, ankle injury right now, uh, yeah. which he kind of uh, me- messed up with on Sunday during Dolphins game, which that's going to be very important moving forward because if that weapon does not become available this weekend as the Chargers looking over uh, the Tennessee Titans, uh, Herbert is going to go ahead and look at more of his offensive weapons. I didn't see much of Herbert throwing the ball. Yes, he did pick up the usual yards. You see the typical game from a player like him but you didn't see an explosive game but something something more than you kind of need from him right now in order because that last drive was maybe the worst drive out of throughout the whole game yeah you know it was a quick uh three and out uh getting hit you know losing the ball it it just seemed like the communication part there late in the game was not there um i'm not sure who was making that call whether kellen moore was in charge of that call or brandon staley was in charge but brandon staley did take credit for for the loss he's like this is on me uh the defense should have played much better i mean when you look at a defense with Joey Bosa, you look at a defense with Khalil Mack, the addition of Eric Hendricks, you have Derwin James, um, you you had J.C. Jackson back after dealing with his Achilles injury last season. You expected this defense to at least maintain a team under 30 points, maybe yeah. under 25. But when you give up 36 at home, you know, you, you understand that the defense was not clicking in um, all directions that game. Do you get the sense that this was sort of a, a one-game thing? Again, I mean, I forgot the uh, stats, and you probably um, uh, saw it, but, like, you know, in the history of the league, or at least since 2000, when a team has rushed for over 200 yards or had a two-turnover uh, two turnover margin, you go to, like, that 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 team was 110 to zero, and then the Chargers are the first team to lose. And so <laughs> while they... You know, while they've had these problems in the past, I mean, this was such an such an aberration to lose a game where you hold the team to under 100 yards rushing. You rush for over 200 yards. You have two turnovers. They have zero. You go down the list of like, if you just looked at the numbers, the Chargers should have won this game. Do you just look at this as sort of like a one game slip up or, you know, perhaps a sign of things to come? I mean, I hope it's not a. I hope it's not science for for the future that are going to be looking like, okay, I remember I saw that in week one. I remember I saw that in week two because it, it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense is not going to have a problem. Putting up 34 points in the, for the first game for Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert was not that bad. Of course, it's, it's all going to come on the defense, but a lot of it is going to come on decision-making. Um, you know, I did get a chance to see the great uh, piece that you put up on Brandon Staley for the Messenger uh, this past week yeah. and, you know, being able to see that and and see a little bit more of the backside story on what Brandon Staley has dealt with uh, right now. Um, it's very important for a lot of people to understand and, you know, we understand like you, your, your headline, you know, is saying like, hey, you know, you were asking for Brandon Staley's job after that yeah. devastating loss, but... Coming, coming right now, he's bought himself more time. He he needs to understand that. I don't know if he gets that point right now and understands that, okay, this job is mine, or is Kellen Moore going to take my job in the middle of the season or later after this season? Because, of course, Kellen Moore has been a candidate over the last few seasons as a head coaching uh, candidate. Yeah. And I can see that maybe 
this team, I can see them winning 10 games for sure. I saw them before Sunday. I saw them winning 12 games. Now I can see them winning at least 10 games. It's going to be tough going into Tennessee with no Austin Eckler, if that's the case. Um, and then they go to Minnesota after that, and then they get the Oakland, uh, not the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders yeah. here in Los Angeles in week four. So hopefully by the time they return back home, they are at least at two and one um, because Minnesota game should be winnable and Tennessee. It really depends on, on how crazy uh, uh, Henry starts being out there because Henry and other, another Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill was a problem as well. You know, I didn't get a chance to mention that, but Tyreek Hill was a big problem uh, for the Chargers defense over the weekend. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, when you looked at the Chargers schedule to begin the season, uh, we talked about this with Fernando Ramirez as well, that, that, that they needed to really start the season strong. The way that they close out the season in terms of the schedule, um, you really wanted to see them maybe start the season five and one, uh, six and two, something along those lines. Yes. And now when you lose week one, uh, you know, kind of puts you in a very difficult spot. But, um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, See how the Chargers do. Again, Did definitely did not see following the first week of the season the Rams going into Seattle and winning that game while the Chargers lost at home to Miami. But um, Freddie, we'll uh, have you back on uh, next week. Again, bye week for the uh, bye week for the Rams. Spark season is over. Chargers heading on the road to uh, Tennessee. But thank you so much, my friend. We'll uh, have you back on next week. No problem, guys. Uh, thank you again, Arash. Uh, thank you. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by Lauren Jones of the Sporting Tribune. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii. Call our hotline 310-400-0340. Right, let's go back out to the Circus Sports guest hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Lauren Jones. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, Lauren, you're going to be a very busy person coming up this month, uh, beginning to cover the Dodgers, the Rams, maybe some USC, maybe some Lakers. Let's start with the, the Dodgers, Lauren. It's, this is a very um, weird uh, position that they're in right now. Again, I, I don't know what the expectations were for a lot of fans coming into this season, but they didn't make the big splash that they normally do. You know, you lose 
Um, you lose Justin Turner, you lose Trey Turner, you lose Cody Bellinger. They didn't make any big moves. And even at the trade deadline, when it looked like they, they could potentially contend, no big moves. At least what they had maybe going into the postseason was the prospect of some good pitching. Uh, however, Julio Urias uh, effectively done yes. with the team. Uh, Dustin May, Tommy John surgery, Tony Gonsolin, Tommy John surgery, Walker Bueller had Tommy John surgery. It looked like he may try to come back this season. The Dodgers shut that down. Clayton Kershaw may have hit a wall. Your thoughts on this team as they head into sort of a, um, again, they lose last night against the Padres, but a pretty big series Mm -hmm. here with the Padres. Your thoughts on the Dodgers currently? Yeah, so overall, as you mentioned, there's just been a lot of um, interesting uh, points because at a, at a time, I don't think anybody expected them to overperform um, to get to this mark, uh, especially given that they didn't make any real splashy moves which they're known for in years past, especially going into some of these World Series contention years. We've seen that they've made those, they've spent the money on the roster to make sure that, you know, they were willing to compete or able to compete. Um, and so this is a very new look and different team and a different approach to, to years past. But then there was a stride or, you know, they hit a period of time where they were just rolling on all cylinders. You know, Mookie Betts looked like the best player in baseball. There were just so many elements that um, the team was clicking. And then, you know, to have this kind of Julio Urias, I'm not sure how that's going to affect the locker yeah. room. Um, you know, um, because he has been a major part of that, um, you know, the club, the clubhouse for quite a while. And, um, excuse me, it was kind of like unexpected as well, but, um, you know, obviously the team had to respond in kind because it is a a very serious matter at hand, you know, domestic abuse. Um, and that's not something that the Dodgers or the organization, you know, is willing to stand for, especially on the second go around. So, um, you know, I, I really think that this team is going to have to figure things out quickly, um, before the playoffs start. And, you know, Dave Roberts, I trust in him to, you know, make the appropriate adjustments and moves. Um, but it, it, it's not as, as um, high. I'm not as high on them as I was maybe a month ago. Right. Um, yeah. when, when things looked like they were the best team in baseball and, you know, everybody had a little fear. Like, wh- who are these, you know, new look Dodgers? Yeah. So I guess that's my evaluation heading, um, you know, into this postseason. Yeah, I mean, because you're 100% right. They had a scorching month in August where they were clearly the hottest and the best team in baseball, where sort of the wheels began to fall off, where at least the shine was off this team. You know, you go into a very critical uh, series with the Braves in the sense of, you know, like, let's see how good they are. I mean, I think the the consensus where the, the top two teams were the Dodgers and the Braves and the Braves come into Dodger stadium and win three or four. I mean, they, they really could have swept them. So that was the first time. And then, you know, you, you, you begin to lose some key players as well. The big storyline for the Dodgers, though, regardless of how this season goes, uh, is Shohei Otani. The, the feeling was that they didn't do anything big this uh, season, this mm-hmm. off season. Uh, and even at the trade deadline, because they want to go all in, for Shohei, your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, I would love that for Shohei because I would love to see him play some meaningful postseason games. But your thoughts on the Dodgers' right. pursuit of Shohei Otani? Yes, I mean, I mean, he is one of those marquee players that you know can help to, you know, be long. Well, first of all, 
create longevity in terms of, you know, the daughter's ability to consistently and continue to um, make that, you know, postseason push deep into the postseason. Uh, and also, as you mentioned, I do think it's very um, key for him because he's such a talent talented player to um, be able to play on a team that, that in which, you know, the meaningful baseball will be at the forefront. Um, but I, I wonder how viable it is um, with the Dodgers. Uh, I do know that there's some other, obviously, um, people that are going to be, or organizations that are going to be putting their hat in the race as well. And so um, it's really a matter of like, you know, fit and where he wants to be. Um, and so I don't think that there's been any overt expression that he, you know, is leaning towards the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously uh, the Dodgers will pull out all the stops to court him and to, to see um, if we're able to land him or if they're able to land him. But um, I do think that, you know, because they are going all in. If they don't, what does the fallback plan look like for them? What does the plan B look like for them going into, um, you know, this offseason and next season um, will be also questions that, that need answers pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think he is such a critical player. And I think the big question mark, right, is, you know, if he's going to need Tommy John surgery. If that's the case, obviously, he's not pitching. He can hit. I think that's what makes him obviously the most unique player that we've seen since Babe Ruth is his ability uh, to hit uh, for power, 100%. you know, and then, and then to pitch. So we'll see how, how that all plays out. Week one of the National Football League season did not go the way that a lot of people thought on a variety of fronts. Perhaps one of the biggest surprises was the Rams going to Seattle and not just winning, Lauren, winning rather handily. decisively, handily, uh, really kind of uh, took it to the Seahawks and our good friend Pete Carroll in the second half. Uh, <laughs> your, your thoughts on that win? Because I think it was so interesting following a really dreadful preseason where they got blown out yes. of the games that they played. Um, man, I mean, if if this team could play like, play like this again, big game on Sunday against San Francisco, but... Your thoughts on week one? Yes, uh, week one overall, you know, across the league, there were so many surprises. It was really um, devastating to hear the news about uh, Aaron Rodgers yeah. this morning um, breaking, you know, with his Achilles and being out for the season. But um, the Rams were a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, nobody had real expectations because they're such a young team, one of the youngest teams in the league this um, season. And, and there's been so many question marks about, you know, just the different positions in terms of the the line and, um, you know, just certain positions with Cooper Cup being sidelined by his injury. Uh, and, you know, some of the rookies have just stepped up and stepped, you know, into a position where they have impressed early. And, and when you have a young team that doesn't have many expectations, maybe that is, you know, what Sean McVay needs to kind of get over the, the, the Super Bowl lull uh, after last year's season. So, um, I think nobody expected it, but the way that they played, especially in the second half, um, to shut out the, Seahawks, you know, um, in such a very, uh, very like sure fashion was, um, a surprise Puka Nakua, you know, performed really well in, uh, Cooper cups absence. Um, and you know, 119 yards, um, 10 catches, uh, also Tutu Atwell, uh, complimented that, you know, they combined for 238 yards on the, on the day. And so, 
Um, we also saw that Steve Avila got the start at the, um, you know, guard position. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of things that, that Rams fans can be happy and about. Obviously, the 49ers are going to be a much tougher matchup um, yeah. <laughs> this upcoming week uh, on Sunday. But, you know, it will be at um, SoFi. So some, you know, hopefully home arena advantage there but um i think that that will be a real challenge for them and we'll be able to see you know if this seahawks game was just kind of you know uh the energy around the young players and you know wanting to excite and impress on the road um but yeah i think that this will be a much more viable especially on the defensive end as well you know there were some bright spots but to see how well they um match up against um the 49ers offense which has been rocking and rolling so far this season. Well, Lauren, you you grew up in Los Angeles. Do you believe that that the uh, you know again? So we didn't have pro football in Los Angeles for 21 years. An entire generation of fans really kind of had to pick their own teams, whether it's the Packers yes. or the Cowboys or the Steelers. Do you believe that there is still a battle for that? Because I, I really felt that this was a critical season for the Chargers in this sense that the Chargers on paper, you know, maybe had one of the more talented teams in the league and perhaps could, could contend. Whereas the Rams, I mean, some people were talking prior to week one that they should tank for Caleb Williams. Um, if mm-hmm. the Chargers struggle and the Rams at least are competitive, I mean, do you believe that Los Angeles is still up for grabs or have the Rams done enough again, since they've been here, you know, they went to the Super Bowl twice. They've won it once. Right. Where does Los Angeles stand right now in terms of their pro football team? Uh, uh, is it the Rams? Is it the Chargers? Is it still up for grabs? Do you think? Uh, I really think, you know, Arash, I've been able to cover both those teams um, and to see both Teams have a very steadfast uh, fan base, but I would say handily, especially, um, you know, because the Rams have had success in terms of, you know, two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win uh, since they've been in Los Angeles, back in Los Angeles, um, and, and just the history that they have with the city. Yeah. I think that they do have a slight edge in terms of, um, you know, their fan base and kind of, you know, the team for the city, but, um, and the Chargers having AI robots out there <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't necessarily help their case in terms of having real fans um, and a viable network. But no, I, I think that for the Chargers, they, in, in my opinion, when you look at both teams on paper, you think, you know, obviously the Chargers seem to have a, a much better roster this year, um, just in terms of star power, you know, um, but for some reason, it doesn't seem to completely translate. Um, when I was driving past the stadium this past Sunday, uh, I saw far more Dolphin jerseys than I did, yeah. you know, Chargers jerseys, just, you know, just as a, um, from an eye test, you yeah. know. And so I think the Chargers have a, um, you know, seem to have, you know, cheaper tickets in general. And so the ability for you know, LA fans to be able to go see whatever team that they're opposing sometimes seems to be more of a draw than um, the actual home team, uh, unfortunately. But I do think that if the, I mean, Los Angeles in general loves winning, you know, and they love winning franchises. And so let's say that the Chargers do somehow um, are able to turn it around and make a Super Bowl appearance or two in the next few years. 
then that might change, you know, the, the edge that the Rams currently have. But I do say um, right now, I think the Rams have a, a, a slight edge in terms of, uh, you know, being LA's team, football team. But we know the most popular football team in Los Angeles is the USC Trojans. So uh, we, uh, right, fight on. <laughs> Uh, your thoughts on uh, the Trojans for the first three weeks of the season? Again, I think everyone thought that those would be three big wins, and they certainly have been scoring more than 55 yeah. points per game. The defense, uh, thankfully, has improved each week. Now they got a bye week before they go on the road to Tempe to play the Sun, De- Sun Devils, and they close out the month with the uh, big game against Coach Prime in Colorado. Uh, Lauren, your, your, your thoughts on USC this season? Uh, you know, obviously, I've seen a lot of USC teams, and uh, in recent years, even this team seems to just be one of the most dominant teams. You know, there's been times when the USC football is ranked preseason in the you know top 25, and then the first week or so, they might have Hawaii on the schedule and yeah. almost lose. And so, um, this is a um, when you see those big you know, blowout wins, it gives you a lot of confidence that the team is not just, you know, on paper and, you know, hyped up, you know, by the media and whatever have you, but that they actually are the who they say they are. Um, obviously, there haven't been any real tests. <clears throat> and I do think that Colorado will be the first test based on the just the um, the hype that they've had as well and being that they're going to be uh, traveling to play at Colorado where that fan base right now is, is rampant. Um, And so uh, really excited to see that map. Uh, I think that that will be a test, but in terms of just looking at the, you know, USC schedule for these next few weeks, um, it it seems like they are going to continue to have success, um, you know, going up against both teams in Arizona uh, you know, Utah, I just, I don't see anybody really giving them a run for their money until we get, until they get to that Colorado game. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think Caleb Williams is as advertised, you yeah. know, to see, uh, the defense and Zachariah branch, you know, just killing it, uh, on that side of the ball as well. It's just, it's, it's really impressive and what they've been able to put together, you know, I'm I'm rooting for the national championship, of course. <laughs> Would love that. And by the way, I mean, of, of course, like the last year of the Pac-12 is probably like the most exciting year that they've had in quite some time. So, you know, unfortunate yes. for the old uh, Pac-12, but, uh, you know, for fun times for USC. Uh, and, Lauren, yes. you, you wrote about this uh, Christian Wood it kind of caps off what has been a really uh, impressive offseason for the Lakers. Um, again, I, I know there's a reason he's available at this point. Uh, you know, I think he's on his uh, sixth team in six years or something along those lines. Uh-huh. But the talent's there, though. I mean, with the Mavericks, he averaged about 17 points, uh, seven boards, something along those lines. What can Christian Wood they give the Lakers? And if you can, like, touch on the, like, offseason that the Lakers had in terms of really keeping their core group together. Yes, so... Uh, I think what Rob Polinka has masterfully done this offseason is be able to retain the key players that, um, you know, were huge for the Lakers last season to get them to the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, Austin Reeves and Rory Hachimura and, um, you know, uh, even D'Angelo Russell, um, you know, to an extent. And so I think in terms of Christian Wood, 
he creates this this ability to well first of all space the floor but also just um his offensive prowess is something that is going to be very useful at that position uh you know anthony davis has obviously had some health issues um in the last few seasons and just over his throughout his career um where he's been sidelined for a number of games per season and so I think for Christian Wood, he can come in and be, you know, an additional backup um, at that, you know, center position if needed. Um, you know, he can space the floor and, and create some offense when needed, um, but doesn't obviously need the ball in his hands. And so I just think that he's he's uh, what I saw him do that year with the Houston Rockets and beyond, though there were some questions about, you know, his attitude and um, locker room. I think that this team that the Lakers have, um, especially when he's already say, stated, you know, that he is really excited to, to join this team, um, that that there comes, you know, some maturity and some. And so I'm hoping that that he has taken the the lessons that he's learned from these other organizations and you know, kind of bouncing around the league to want to stay here and to do the necessary work off the, the court to, um, you know, make sure that some of the question marks about his attitude or, you know, him being a locker room guy, that those kind of go away and that the, the focus is on, you know, the team and basketball. Um, so I'd say that that's really what my impression early is of, you know, how he's going to contribute. Um, and I think that he could have a, a very big role in that. Um, because he has been extremely impressive over the course of his career um, and, and, you know, being a really solid, um, you know, and reliable um, uh, offensive weapon, but also, you know, just being able to be versatile and, um, you know, move around if needed. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's really what I'm looking at. And then if you just overall evaluate um, the ability to add some key um, players to get the depth that is needed uh, with the Lakers, then, you know, I think we, if I had to grade that, that team um, in terms of that, their off season, I'd say that they, they have a, a B plus. And yeah. I think it's, you know, there could have been um, things that, you know, they could have added, but in terms of just overall at each, when I look at evaluate each position and the, also just the, um, the balance between the veteran players that, you know, they have, and then also the, um, you know, the young guys that can create some, some, you know, great energy around the team. I think that they've done a really great job at, uh, you know, Gabe Vincent is, you know, an impressive player that I've, I've watched closely over the last few years. Um, and then, you know, there's also these two way players that can, you know, be utilized at, at times in when, if there's a health issue or things, but, the one thing that I, uh, you know, have been really thinking about since it's been announced is the proposal of this new NBA um, rule in which, you know, two stars cannot oh, be, um, you know, out uh, at the sit out for, uh, you know, games on end. And so <laughs> LeBron being in his <laughs> 21st season and, you know, uh, AD uh, having health issues wow. and Anthony Davis having health issues in years past, I... I I really don't know how viable that is for that team. So we, the fines might be racking up um, <laughs> if that is um, voted in uh, on Wednesday, but uh, that will remain to be seen. But yes, um, aside from that, I think that the Lakers have a really great team and I'm um, very excited to see, uh, you know, how it comes together. 
Should be a fun season. Lauren, you're the best. We'll have you back on next week. Have fun out there. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.